Today we're going to talk to Andrea Sauters for a second podcast and how his ministry, Elijah 21, came about through visions and confirmations from some of his spiritual mentors, and even how the name Elijah 21 came to be. We're also going to be able to hear about the current work that Elijah 21 is doing in the refugee camps in Germany using the Jesus film. So you had this middle period of time where you God is sounds like he's preparing you. He's telling you to trust him. You're learning how to trust his voice. How did that lead you to Elijah 21? Yeah, what happened is, is there was a New Year's Eve coming up, and that's three years after the dream now. Yeah? And oh wow! It's a New Year's Eve, and and you know you know how it is. And New Year's Eve, you kind of reflect over the last year, and you say like, okay, what was this all about? And what was really cool, and what was not? So, what was <laughs> wonderful, and maybe what was the, what were the sad parts of the year? And and I I reflected over that, and I realized that you know being part of Porsche was such a big dream in my life uh, as a, as a child already. And also being an aviator, and I realized looking back at the year that the only really great things that nothing can match up to were those experiences where Jesus talked. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the flying, it wasn't the you know the memories of aviation, it wasn't the you know ordering 9-11s, not having to pay for it, it wasn't being part of Team Porsche, which was all great, you know, but it didn't. The greatest thing of the entire year was whenever the Lord told me to do something. Hmm. And I realized that on that New Year's Eve. And then I said, okay, I need more of this and less of the other stuff. And I realized that I prayed and spent time with Jesus whenever I had time. But I never gave him any priority. And I said, well, if if I want to be more want to have more of this, I need to give him priority. So I said, well, I have to, I have to spend, I have to start the next level of prayer. So I went after that New Year's Eve, I went to my superiors at Porsche Consulting and I said, I need a time off because I need to go to pray. And, and they said, they said, that's cool. We're going to give you three months. And uh, and I said, fine. So I prayed about it. And then actually what happened in the meantime is that the Lord get, put somebody alongside of me. And that guy, his name is Father Johannes. And he's my spiritual mentor and somebody I can share everything and speak about. And, and, and you know, if I have questions, I can approach him. He's a priest, actually. Uh, you know, I've, I found Christ in a total free 24-7 house of prayer. You know, um, it it, it had nothing to do with denomination. It was just Jesus centered. But then um, what happened is that the Lord put a Catholic priest on my side to continue the journey. Pretty interesting Mm. because everything he represented were basically things that I hated because I was Mm. forced as a child, but then started to love being with Jesus. Interesting. But what happened is, yeah. is that I asked this guy, I said, Hey, Pater, you have a lot of, you know, he's, he's, a, they, he's um, from an order. He's an, an actually an, a monk. And they have, you know, in Germany, we have a lot of very old houses of prayer. 
For example, we have Dominican sisters 30 minutes away from my home. They are a house of prayer for 1,000 years now. Yeah. Um, and wow. um, so very old places with continuous prayer since then. You know, we they're all over the places mm. so they're, and, and they're still active. And um, yeah, Padre Johannes is part of one of them. And I said, you know, I need a place where I can go in prayer, but I also have silence. You know, I cannot... I need silence. I had a pull into a more contemplative prayer. And yeah. I need to spend like intimacy in quietness with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, pull myself out of this hectic of a consultant life and focus in quiet prayer and spend time with him, you know, becoming away from Martha, more a Maria, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so I asked him, I said, Pater, you know, you have a lot, you know, a lot of those places because I know they're living, they're very contemplative uh, um, abbeys and orders, and they're very um, uh, missionary focused places. You know, it's different, but he had a good overlook and knowledge about it. So I said, you know what I need? Try to set, set it up. Okay. Use your connections. And he said, okay. So it went back and forth and he was checking things. And at the end he said, hey, come to us. There are four padres there, and you can spend the time here. We know you. I'm there. We can support you. You can pray with us. I said, great. So this basically happened in January 2016. And I decided I prayed about it. Yeah, it's not a long time ago. Yeah, I didn't realize it was Yeah, and I decided to, to spend 40 days in prayer. Wow. And in those, uh, we, uh, we, we prayed all day, basically. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. and what, what happened there is three major things happened. The mm-hmm. first, but I, I had no expectations, uh, expectations to the time, to be quite honest. I didn't yeah. have an expectation that the Lord is doing something there or uh, uh, some crazy wonders are happening. I just wanted to spend time with him, you know, and, um, yeah. and, uh, and, and to give him priority. And that's all. I had no expectation of there needs something to happen. So it was not even really on my mind. So, but all of a sudden, about two thirds after, after those 40 uh, days, Padre Johannes comes to me and says, Andreas, I just had a, a prophecy. I received a, a prophetic uh, input and I mm. want to share it with you. It was, I was the first person that he shared it uh, with. Uh, basically, it was the following. And he said, it, you, you have to understand, in 2000, now this is 2016, as I said, in 2015, the migration situation started. Mm. And okay. it had its first initial peak as migrants coming to uh, Germany, uh, leaving wars in Syria, in Afghanistan, they come from Pakistan, Iran, the near and Middle East countries, but also through the Mediterranean from Africa. And it, it, it peaked in 2015. So we had a major attention on that topic. Um, in Germany, it was one of the biggest countries at that time taking in refugees, right? Yeah, it was a big refugee welcome situation in Germany. And now that's another story because it has to do with our history. Maybe we can talk about that later. But what happened is, is the media started to report on that migration wave of those migrants traveling like thousands of kilometers on on their feet 
And we had the first pictures on the television stations coming, showing drowning people in the Mediterranean. And people mm. that are washed ashore or barely make it out of life rafts and boats, they built themselves. And that remembered me of my dream I had in 2013. Mm. So I saw those television pictures and I remembered the dream. And I realized somehow the Lord is... Mm sent me the stream so that I start to focus on that topic when the time has come. Because the dream and the television pictures in the media I saw that, that were so similar that I realized he's pulling my attention towards that situation. Yeah, Here's something I'm supposed to pay attention to. That was in 2015. And in 16, one year later, I'm in the Abbey. And after okay. two-thirds of the 40 days, Padre Johannes comes and says, I have, a, I, I have received a prophecy I need to share. And I'm like, what? And he goes, Andreas, the Lord has three plans. He has a plan of salvation and healing for every of those refugees leaving their countries coming to Germany. Two, mm. he has a plan of healing and salvation for the countries where they come from. Mm. And three, he has a plan for us as the body of Christ to bring his love to those people coming to our country. So that was already there as a full-blown prophecy in those 40 days. And I'm like, whoa, because it matched the fact that the Lord is pulling my attention towards this topic. Yeah. yeah? And I knew that he has something to tell me with that situation because I knew how cool is it? He sends you a dream three years earlier. Yeah. So I knew I have to pay attention when something pops up that is coming close to me because I had nothing to do with the cultures. I was not a fan of Arabic countries nor of the Persian culture. It was so not of interest to me before. Yeah. Mm. I had nothing to do with all of that. But here was the dream. Here was the media. And a year later, here comes Pat Johannes with that prophecy. I don't know, a couple of days later, maybe two or three days later, I'm a good sleeper, as I said before, you know, and I was, I, I had a wonderful sleep, peaceful sleep, but in the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning, it's like, bam, it's like, I'm waking up, sitting in my bed, like, just like from zero to 100 RPMs, uh, I'm full awake, full attention, and I feel Holy Spirit in the room, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want? What, why are you doing this? And no, nothing, no answer. I cannot switch it on. Even mm. if I want to, no, I, I cannot, even if I ask him, nothing. So I'm like, well, he probably calls me into prayer. So I put on my clothes. I go to the chapel. It's like 2.30 now in the morning. And I pray for an hour. Nothing, zero. I'm like, mm, ah, wow. strange. I don't know why that is the case. So I go to the cafeteria and make a cup of tea. It's snowing outside. It's like 3 o'clock or 3.30 now. I don't know. I didn't remember. And all of a sudden, I feel the Holy Spirit in the kitchenette. And he's telling me mm. and says, Andreas, quit your job. You're working for me now. Wow. And, you know, I was in a situation where I was already on the other side of the interview. So uh, uh, I know how hard it is to get into uh, Porsche Consulting. Uh, they're really lean experts in Europe and well known for that. And uh, um, so... That was really, that hit me hard. But, you know, he told me before how his voice sounds. 
So there was no way for me now to say it's not him. Mm -mm. You know, I couldn't bug out. Yeah. I couldn't say, ah, that was just imagination. No way. I knew it. So I was like, panic, pure panic. I'm like, <laughs> wow, no. Yeah. And, 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 but he was, it was gentle. It was nice. And he said, do it. And I'm like, ah, so I was struggling <laughs> hard. And, and I thought I can make a deal. How funny is that? So <laughs> we, we think that a lot. So I'm like, okay, uh, you know, Lord, let's do it this way. Um, I'm going to write the paper, the letter, but you tell me when to send it off. And in my heart, I felt like maybe in a year or two. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's, okay. I've, I kind of gotten okay for that. So I, I, I wrote <laughs> that paper uh, to my boss and I saved it on my iPad and I thought, okay, I can go to sleep now and relax. So I went to sleep and I slept and I wanted to go into prayer at six o'clock in the morning. So at six o'clock in the morning, I wake up, I feel Holy Spirit and the Lord says, okay, send it off now. I'm like, what? <laughs> hours later. This is three hours later. Yeah, this is, it's impossible. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm not sure. I need confirmation. And he goes, no. And I'm like, no, I need to pray again. And he goes, no. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> So I go to the mass. I already knew. I pray again. He goes, says now. So I leave, leave uh, the prayer, go back in my room and send it off. And um, then I called my boss same morning and like, hey, I just wrote you an email. I'm not coming back. And he says, okay, hey, what's going on? I need the story. And I'm telling him the whole story. And uh, he goes, well, that is so wonderful. Andreas, you can come back whenever you want. Go for it. It's mm -hmm. a wonderful story. Um, uh, and if it doesn't work, you're very welcome to come back. So amazing. So all of a sudden, yeah. I didn't have a job anymore. I was free. And I didn't know. I just knew the Lord has a plan. I didn't know why or what. I just knew it probably has to do something with migrants. But I had no idea of what he has in mind or what I should do next or whatever. But I knew he's probably going to tell me somehow. And then it was another two days, and I was in a prayer also, I think. No, it was in the afternoon. I was in the church, and I was praying, and uh, I felt Holy Spirit again. And my, my, my thoughts started to wander around, and I'm like, ah, oh, I thought I have to self-discipline myself. And, and, and everything started to, my, my thoughts are just wandering away, and, and I'm sitting there, and I just hold in and try to be quiet and be in his presence. And he says, Andreas, Book an airline ticket, fly to Tehran in Iran, go to the Hilton Hotel and meet a guy called Samir. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. I never heard of that. I never heard that really that name even before. And I'm like, well, I sat there. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? You know, for me, I, I have military security clearances. So it was not so easy to fly to Iran. And uh, and I'm like, mm, oh, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, but I, there was again no way out for me to <laughs> believe uh, that it's not him. And um, so what happened is I went rushed back to the Abbey and I googled if uh, Tehran has a, a Hilton hotel and didn't find it and it didn't have a Hilton and I was like, wow, this, this cannot be true because the Lord is not making mistakes. It's impossible. I know His voice and I know it's Him. So. There has to be a Hilton. And yes, of course, there's a Hilton in Tehran. It's just not <laughs> called Hilton anymore because when Khomeini and the regime started, uh, uh, the Americans left uh, Tehran 
And uh, of course, the Hilton was abandoned and it was taken over by the Revolutionary Guards. Um, and they run it until today. And a lot of tourists are actually uh, uh, are living there when they visit uh, Tehran. Yeah, all of the things I didn't know, uh, but I found it in the internet. And um, so all of a sudden I had no job anymore. And uh, so I realized that was March 2016. And actually in May 2016, I flew to Tehran and I booked a room in exactly this Hilton Hotel on the, thing, I think, 14th floor. Um, and um, so I did both things and in May 16. And what the interesting part was that I was sent there uh, with a task. And the task was meet a guy called Samir. So here I am, not knowing what to do, but walking around all the places, talking to every person, saying, hey, I'm Andreas. And he goes, hey, I'm Mohammed. I'm like, wow, nice to meet you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, not finding the guy. And that was a huge problem. And yeah. I was crying and shouting to the Lord. So I'm on my knees. Mm. It was really weird. The, you know, the Murzin is crying outside uh, for the mosque. And, and uh, I'm on my knees praying and saying, Jesus, you cannot do that. You cannot send me. So here I am, you know, telling Jesus what he can do and not do. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> so I'm on my knees saying, you know, you sent me here. I need to find this guy. Now I'm not finding him. It's impossible. Why is all this happening? I don't understand. And then all the big doubts came. You know, no Jesus. You listen to the wrong stuff. It's all self-induced. Uh, that it, it was a valley of tears. So big drama. Yeah. So at yeah. a certain point, I gave up being there. And I said, you know, once I'm there already, I might as well just go and see the bazaar as a tourist attraction because uh, that is at least something that I can uh, actually do while I'm there. Yeah. I went to the concierge, ordered a taxi. Here comes this taxi driver. I say, hi, hi, jump in. And he takes me on a ride. And all of a sudden, everything turns out like a, like a film, like a movie. It's becomes very strange the guy's driving me around he stops he said hey let's smoke a cigarette he's driving me and showing me tourist places but all of a sudden well i just wanted to go to the bazaar you know but all <laughs> of a sudden really nice guy he starts to talk in english and, and then he takes me and the whole he drives me through tehran showing me what parts of the town where people just found christ and accepted jesus as their lord Hmm. And I said, I, I was I was totally confused. I'm like, why is he yeah. doing that? How does he know I'm a, actually a believer? Yeah, he's not even allowed to do that. They they're not allowed mm -hmm. to do that. And 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 um, um, it was very very strange situation. And and you know, he brought me then to the bazaar. We said bye bye. His name was not Samir. Um, and <laughs> I was thinking you're gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, but it really touched me. So this was the only experience I had being there, and I flew back home all disappointed and with a feeling of I did not do my job. I did something wrong. I must have done something wrong, and now it's my fault, and uh, it was horrible. Yeah. So what happened is coming back... You know, Johannes Hadel, the, 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 the guy who's uh, the leader of the hub in Augsburg, 
where I met Christ the first time. We made friends actually on the same day when I when I cried and accepted the Lord that evening. Uh, we were we became friends from that day on. We were very much in touch and and in exchanging thoughts. And he was actually in 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 Geneva back then, and they were setting up something. It's called Europe Shall Be Saved. It's a big initiative. Uh, for Christ in Europe, and uh, they were, he, he's actually part of that, and they were organizing that, and he came back, and he said, Andreas, you just came back from Tehran, I need to know uh, what was going on, but let's meet, so we meet, and um, actually, I told him the story of the taxi driver, and then you have yeah. to know that up in Augsburg, it's really a spiritual hotspot now in Germany, a lot of people know it, and the connections they have are basically in all areas of the active body of Christ in Germany, even in Europe. And, okay. and here's this partner meeting of that prayer house where they get all the major partners and donors together and, and, and Johannes is speaking. And all of a sudden, just like months later, all of a sudden he says, you know, the Lord is doing really cool stuff in Iran, in Tehran. Andreas was just there and, and there was a taxi driver taking him around and, uh, you know, if you if you want to hear about it, just talk to him on the coffee break. And he was pointing towards me. And actually, mm -hmm. the coffee break started and a guy approached me and said, hey, uh, we have to talk. Follow me. Oh. So I'm following him. And, and he says, you know, here's a telephone number. Uh, call this number. And it, it's the number of a lady. And I think you should meet her and wow. uh, talk to her. So I do that, not knowing who's answering the phone. And here's a lady answering the phone. Her name is Andrea. And she, I'm like, who are you? I'm supposed to call you. And she goes, well, you know, I live in the south of Munich and I have a heart for refugees. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Um, and, 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 she oh, let wow. talk. and she says, and she says, yeah. And I went to a <laughs> refugee camp here in the south of Munich. And you wouldn't believe what happened. I met Afghans and they were already with Jesus in Afghanistan. I'm like, mm. whoa, that's that's not so often the case, you know. And and and, yeah. and and then she said, and you know what? They showed me videos on her cell phone, how like hundreds of Muslims got baptized in Greece when they were already, you know, leaving their country, going through the Balkan route. It goes from you know Turkey to Greece to uh, uh, to Macedonia, Serbia, Macedonia, and Balkan route to, all the way to Germany. And when they increased, they got baptized like hundreds of them in the ocean, all wearing like white robes, and they they accepted the Lord. And 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 Sharif, that Afghan, he showed those cell phone videos to her, and she said, "Why are they doing that? What is mm. coming leading to that situation? Yeah, why are they giving their heart to Jesus in?" so large numbers and he goes well the greeks they show a film and they're like what film and, and, and he goes well they showed a jesus film and she's like what is the jesus film yeah and 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 he showed her and then she said well you know what jesus is the same the people are the same so whatever works in greece works in munich so she ordered the dvd uh, he, she went to media Markt, uh, uh, like a uh, electro shop you know uh, bought a little dvd player walked to the refugee camp and asked the people if they want to hear about Jesus and showed them the film in their, in their language. And she wow. realized back then, wow, actually, a lot of them want to do that. Hmm. And then she yeah. said, you know what, we could do this on a bigger scale. Uh, let's make a showing in a nearby church. 
But then she yeah. realized, well, I'm all alone. How should I organize that? But her children were missionaries with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Yeah. And, and, and there was a team of Youth with a Mission saying, you know what? Uh, we would like to come to Germany to evangelize in Germany, but we need a place to stay. And Andrea mm -hmm. said, well, you know what? I'm going to give you a place to stay, but you have to do one of those Jesus film events <laughs> with me yeah. in a church. And they said, okay, let's do it. Well, they went with a team into a refugee camp and they invited people and they thought, you know, okay, we're going to pick you up the next day. So they thought they're going to bring their private cars and, and pick up the, maybe 10 or 15 people. And when they arrived, they realized They need buses. So it was so many uh -huh. people that Andrea organized, and you know, like on the spot in real time, buses to transport wow. the people. And she managed to do that. And, and, and really like travel buses, they came and the bus driver refused to drive because the bus was overfilled and people were pushing <laughs> up in front against the steering wheel. Oh, God. So, wow. And when that was the case, Andrea realized... You know, the Lord is doing that. We're not doing that. You know, mm. here is, is we are fishermen and, you know, the nets are full. And yeah. then eventually the team from Youth with a Mission, they went back home. And here she was all alone, uh, not having a team. Now you have to understand that at the moment when I was in the Abbey, Father Johannes, there was a local prayer team. And when the prophecy came... Um, from Padianus, that prophecy got confirmed and I was there and in the Holy Spirit we became a unity and those three plans the Lord has, that prophecy, it became a, like a reality to us. It became like a, wow. a, we, we knew that is what the Lord wants us to do. But we had no idea how to do it. You know? Because yeah. here we, are, we were like 20 people praying And we said, okay, how should we preach the gospel to those people? I mean, we don't speak Arabic. We don't speak Persian. We speak nothing. Um, they don't speak very, uh, almost zero German. Some of them speak very uh, okay, I would say. They have German glasses, but not to an extent where you could explain the gospel to them, you know? And it's like, how, mm -hmm. should, we, how should we meet or communicate with those people? Or, or I, we had no idea idea where the refugee camps are no we had an idea how they look if we can enter we had no no clue but we knew this is what the lord wants us to do so we were on our knees praying saying lord you have to tell us somehow you have to show us so we felt like fishermen that get told to go fishing but we were lacking the fisher net <laughs> and once i made a telephone call and i heard about andrea's story i realized she has the fisher net but she does not have the fisherman. Wow. That's and awesome. when these two things, fisherman and fishernet came together, both of us already on the telephone call mm. knew that's it. Now it all comes together. And that was the moment when I just went back to Pater Johannes and said, Pater, Father Johannes, pray for the name. I need to get those people together and it has to happen quick. So Father Johannes yeah. prayed for two days and I tried to get the people together and he came out of prayer and said, it's going to be called Elijah 21. And hmm. so we immediately knew this is what we're supposed to do. And this is basically the moment when we started Elijah 21 in April 2016. 
Wow. That was quick. I'm so curious how you got your name, Elijah 21. I understand you prayed and that's what he was told, but was there certain significance? Yeah, of course. Now, you know, the prophet Elijah and the prophet Elijah, yeah. basically he confronted the boss priest and, and he said, you know, you're praying to a false God, you know, and mm. uh, there were the bars, uh, altars and all of that. And, and he approached them and said, you know, you know, the story where, where he said, you build an altar, I build an altar, we all pray. And we, where the Lord sends the fire and the altar that gets, you know, burned it, with the fire falls, that's the real God. So Elijah, the prophet Elijah, brings the question, who is the real God, to the point. Now, 21 stands for the 21st century because we believe mm. for all the people coming to Germany, leaving their their countries, being here in Germany, when we approach them, and I, I might explain what we do next, is that, um, that it brings the question to the point who is the real god and that question mm-hmm. is the question in germany for the people coming to our country now and it's the question they all have in their heart and it is a special moment in time so what what is god trying to accomplish through Elijah 21 i i know that you talked about organizing buses and bringing people to uh, a place and then showing the jesus film is that what you guys are doing currently? Yeah, so what what basically what we started to do is we started to just go out to refugee camps, um, approaching the people saying, hey, we're followers of Jesus Christ. Um, we have prepared a day where we would like to meet and get to know you. Um, we cook and we want to eat with you, spend time, know your story, and also share what we have in our heart what our faith is all about. You see a lot of churches coming to Germany. You see a lot of people. We don't know much about each other. If you're interested, we invite you tomorrow. There's going to be a bus that picks you up at da-da-da-da-da. Um, and, uh, and we bring you back home in the evening. Yeah. So this is how we invited the people. And we realized when we started to do that, that people are coming in masses. So... We had wow. like, and, and Andreas, are these mostly? Would you say Muslim. these are mostly Muslim people? Well, they're are almost they... only Muslims. We have only wow. a small, very small, I would say, neglectable amount of Christian believers amongst them. Um, so mm-hmm. they are all of them are, are, are Muslim people uh, from Pakistan, from Iran, from Afghanistan, from Iraq. Uh, from Syria, um, all mm-hmm. over, some of them North Africa. Um, so, and once we started to do that, we realized that the Lord is filling those fisher nets in a way nobody would ever believe us. I tell you, if we would start to send that on the news media, nobody would believe us. They would say that's fake news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and well, and, I, and I've, heard, I've heard from a lot of different sources that, um, the Holy Spirit is bringing dreams to a lot of Muslim people, and that's been a big uh, tool that God has used to bring Muslims to faith in Jesus. Is, is that something you're experiencing too? Absolutely. So I can talk about this later on. Uh, it, the, the, the level of um, uh, of appearance and how, how Jesus reveals himself to Muslim people at the moment is unseen, unheard of. 
Um, that's wow. what, what, that's what they tell us. Yeah. It's not something we make up. It's what they tell us. And, mm-hmm. um, the, the hearts are extremely open. And now, um, you know, this is just how we started. Um, usually we invite the day before and then we spend the day with them the day after. And we've done now about 60 of those events in all over Germany and Austria and uh, speaking Europe and that adds up to about 7,000 people we reached uh, so there is a certain bandwidth so we, we can t- talk about a certain amount of people and the interesting part is, is that we realize this has a strategic level to it um, what God is doing um, at the moment in the Muslim world and also through the migration situation um, of the people coming to Germany, and that is a calling to Germany and to the world, I believe, and uh, to the body of Christ. Now, let me just uh, also say one thing. I just forgot to mention that. Elijah 21 also has another meaning. And if you go to the Bible, I think it's in Burg Maliaki, it says that um, before Jesus comes back, there will be a time in the spirit of the prophet Elijah. And in that time, sons will be reconciled with their father. And that's what we experienced. Mm. So what we did is we took this entire know-how and we called it the starter pack. And okay. we wrote it down and put it online and said, hey, this is how you can do it. And then through the body of Christ, and through supporters, people started and churches and communities started to pay attention because also Johannes has a huge reach and he started to promote what we're doing. And then people started to, you know, go on our homepage and and we, we put the testimonies online and, and we send out newsletters and then the churches picked up on it. And they said, OK, this is this is we prayed for two years about that. And we, we didn't wow. know how to do it. And this is what we have to do. So a lot of them were already yeah. engaged in refugee business and taking care of them, but more on a social welfare point of view, helping them with shoes or clothes or uh, stuff for the children uh, or the apartment or whatever. But n- nobody knew how can we preach the gospel to them? How can we yeah, tell them amazing. why are we doing that? You know, and 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 we had we had the fisher net in our hands, which is the Jesus film, and we just constructed a, 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 a how to around it. And once we put that online, our role changed because it changed to what we do today. And what we do today is that usually churches or communities call us up and said, "Hey, we heard about you guys. We would like to have one of those events," and then mm-hmm. we guide them towards the starter pack. And we support their preparation just uh, uh, using the telephone. And they start building a small team and they start to prepare. And once they have a certain maturity, we tell them, we make a point, a date, and we're coming with the entire Elijah 21 team and we're going to do it with them together. And um, and so we became like a, um, a, a support force that goes out there and does Jesus film events with churches all over Germany and uh, and Austria, and um, that's how how the number got bigger and bigger. So great, hey Andreas, I I hear this idea of language being so important, um, especially with refugees and migrants coming to Germany and not speaking German very well. And I know 
from hearing about the Jesus film and, and how one of the ways it's become so effective is that it uses uh, the Jesus film is translated into somebody's heart language. And so, for example, um, you know, Afghanis, they can hear the Jesus film in their own translation, in their own language. Are you finding that important in the Elijah 21 events that you're doing? That is the success story. That is how we can bring Jesus really into their hearts. And to be quite honest, for me, personally, the same thing. If I worship, and I've, there are wonderful worship songs from the U.S. in English out there, but it's different if I sing in German. To be, it's it's sure. different, resonates in a different way in my heart. I can deep dive better if I worship in German. So it's the same thing. It touches their heart in a different way because at that moment, Jesus is one of them. Hmm. When, yeah. Because he speaks their language. It, he's, you know... And and we realize that you should you should be in the rooms. You can you can feel it. It's dead silent. I mean, sometimes the the conditions are very unfavorable. Meaning, small rooms, crowded, crowded, flood of people, no windows. It is horrible smell in there. But they all stay seated. They watch the entire film for two hours and seventeen minutes. You could hear a needle fall in there. Uh, and, wow. and our missionaries come out of the showing and say, Andreas, I don't know what it is, but it's like a Two ignition cables you put together in the head and heart, and so uh, it it is. It's it's like we realize the fisher net is working, and we don't have to change anything. We don't have to ask the Lord why is the fisher net working. It just works, and he he gives us into our hands, and he says, "Go out, go fishing," and uh, that's you know, what we. I, do. I think that I think this idea of hearing something in your own language is so important. I I think so sometimes. Important. With English people, English speakers in America, we can't quite comprehend some of it because we have such majority language. One of the um, one of my friends grew up in Bolivia as a missionary kid and and said it this way many many years ago. He told me that um, he used to think in Spanish <laughs> and mm-hmm. he used to think in terms of that language. And then when he came to America and became um, you know an English speaker. Well, it, when he used English, he said, I, I thought differently about things. And then he went back to Bolivia and said, and then I started to revert back to my one of my early languages where um, I started to think in that language. And I, I, it seems like that's what you're saying as well. When, you're, when you think in Germany or when you think in German, you're uh, thinking a different way than you might think in a language that you learned second, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, we, we believe that is the most important uh, part of why we can actually, you know, they have an open heart, but the fact that they can hear Jesus' words in their mother tongue is what really touches them and how what really gets into their heart. Yeah. And, Wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have, a very big important part for us is the role of prayer and because we have an uh, we have an, uh, uh, our events are very intensive with respect to organizing things doing things being out there making sure everything happens correctly um the the meeting the people talking to them so we have the lord gave us or sent us 
41 abbeys that are praying in real time for us when we are out there. And the house, wow. the 24-7 house of prayer in Augsburg too. Now 41 abbeys in entire Europe. Uh, that's, if you would like to have that, you cannot manage that. You will not get 41 abbeys praying for you in real time. So that is, mm. you know, you, you, you cannot walk up their doorbell and say, hey, would you like to pray for me? So that's really, a, a, the, and that's the only thing they do. They're really professional in prayer, yeah? And um, oh, yeah. And, and so this is really wonderful and a gift from heaven that is covering us. In it's like an air force of prayer going airborne every time we drive out with our vans to go to another church. And, and um, you know, the, um, the, the testimonies we receive, you know, we, just to give you a short impressions, we have, I, we had a Jesus film event where, um, where we, our guys went out to invite and they met an imam from uh, um, a head of a mosque, you know, uh, actually from Morocco, and they invited him and he said, hey, you know, I'm an imam, I'm, you know, I'm definitely not coming. And they said, why, why not? Do you fear uh, our God? And do you fear uh, our faith? And he said, no, of course not. So he even organized a small group and they all came. And actually what happened is that this guy, um, they stayed in touch. So he was very much, he was an Arabic speaker. So he would, they were very much in, uh, stayed in touch with our, uh, missionaries, very respectful uh, exchange. And um, a month later, the guys realized that this guy, that imam, he actually changed his WhatsApp picture uh, to a cross. And they were like, what is going what? on? So they rang him up <laughs> and uh, and he said, actually, he gave his life uh, and heart to Jesus Christ. So he converted wow. and uh, wow. he had a running asylum request in Germany that got denied. So he was sent back to Morocco and the first thing he started being back in, in Morocco as a former imam, he started to evangelize and, and tell people about Jesus. Well, he ended up in prison. And uh, uh, after he left prison, he, they started to do that um, in the underground. Being part of the German church now for quite some time, is there anything that you would tell the American church? Because a lot of the people listening are going to be in America is there anything you would tell the church as a whole or, or the American church from the German perspective? Well, what resonates in my heart asking that is that I think um, uh, two things, basically. I think that in the U.S. there's a wide perspective of people thinking that the church is dead in Europe. And mm. that is true in some place, but also false. Because at yeah. the moment we realize that we have you know, Elijah 21 is not bound to any denomination. We're ecumenical, meaning we're Jesus-centered. It doesn't matter where you come from as long as you your faith rests on the Bible and Jesus Christ. We don't look on each other yeah. on our knees looking at him. We don't discuss what is separating us because doing that, in, in the same time, we could all already ex exchange, uh, uh, you know, prayed for uh, for for hours and, and organized one Jesus film event, you know. So it's not sure. in our heart and we're united somehow in the Holy Spirit. And we realized once we started Elijah 21, we do those events across all denominations. So we got an insight to all different evangelical, Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, church, whatever. And uh, we realized one thing, that across all denominations there are dead churches and communities 
but they are also absolutely alive and burning churches. And we have a massive momentum of 24-7 houses of prayer popping up. And, uh, you know, the one in Augsburg, they pray 24-7 through for nine years now, uninterrupted. And um, that's pretty cool, you know. And we have a huge prayer momentum in 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 Germany and Europe, and we have an uh, uh, we have an, a church that is alive, as well as we have dead parts. And it doesn't matter at which denomination you look; every denomination mm-hmm. has an alive part and a dead part. Yeah, and yeah. And so what we want to say, interestingly, and this is also why this podcast came together, um, through the Jesus film, we are somehow, as Elijah 21, connected to the U.S. And what we just want to say is look at the situation. It is a strategic level to it because we know what it means when the Lord turns uh, Iran around for the near and Middle East. We have a unique chance and somehow... Um, the Lord put Americans alongside of us as Elijah 21. And that is an interesting uh, uh, effect. And he's calling uh, people um, and and he's doing things through people from the U.S. into our situation uh, in terms of support and and in different levels uh, and connections. and, And so he's building kingdom uh, here in Germany and Europe through Elijah 21 with using people from the U.S. And that's amazing. And that's just a fact. And we're happy that this is basically um, uh, uh, there's a partnership that we developed uh, uh, mm-hmm. now with a lot of people in, in the U.S. And this is wonderful. And we realize at the moment that France is coming. So the Lord is preparing um, actually, at the moment, French people um, to start Elijah 21 France. Um, we have oh, wow. extensive partnerships with Youth with a Mission, with Frontiers, with Compass Crusade for Christ. What encouraging things to hear, Andreas, because we definitely don't hear the good things that are happening with the refugee situation and even just the House of Prayers all over Germany. We have, I have never heard that before. That is really, really encouraging and inspiring for us here in America. Well, yeah, Andreas, wonderful. we thank you so much for your time today. And we are so excited to be partnering with you. And I know the Jesus Film Project is is uh, partnering with Elijah 21, as well as Campus Crusade and Europe. And we're just so excited to see what God's going to do through it.